Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon. How are you on this Tuesday, June 28th, the year 2022? Hope you're doing great. Hope your day is uh, is going well. We'll be here for the next two hours as we are each and every day, Monday through Friday, from 2 to 4 p.m. Today's show brought to you by Eon of Lafayette. We, you know, we all have our own health and fitness journeys with each of those personal journeys you constantly strive to feel your most confident self now sometimes those troubling areas can make you feel like you're far from your goals pairing your healthy lifestyle with eon can help you spot treat those trouble areas and reach your goals faster on average patients see a 21 to 25 percent fat loss after a full abdomen treatment in just 12 weeks. You see, Eon is the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. You work, you work hard, you eat right, you still can't get rid of those love handles. Eon can help you, both men and women alike. They're at 2020 Rue Promenade, Sweet 2020, in Lafayette, right there in River Ridge. Their phone number is 337-278-7641. 278-7641. Soon to be one in Baton Rouge. Soon to be one in Mandeville. They're growing because it works and there's a demand. So you can feel more confident about you with the help from Eon. My main man, James Mesh, producing inside the the game studios, uh, which um, we spin spinning the tunes and uh, pushing all the right buttons. It's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also 1041 Lake Charles. We are streaming 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, all around the world. And you'd be amazed. <laughs> excuse me, how many listeners we have. There are, there are fans uh, that want to hear about LSU, the Saints, the Cajuns, all over the country. It's, it's kind of amazing. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you got your TV on, well, we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. All right. Well, new LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson is set to receive a $1.14 million contract over three years starting Monday, July the 4th. According to a term sheet, his annual income will be $380,000. Apparently, he was making around three hundred and forty. dollars for the Minnesota Twins. He's also got an $800 per month vehicle allowance, a relocation bonus of $25,000, and up to 14 consecutive days of temporary housing if needed. 380 compared to 340 This tells me this wasn't about money. 
This tells me one thing and one th- tells me two things. One, uh, Major League Baseball is a grind, 162 games. You're never home. You never see your family. You're at a ballpark. And you're at a ballpark. Sometimes road trips are long and lengthy and beyond a week. That's one thing. Um, it's a lot fewer games in college baseball. There is a beginning and an end, and there's a long off season in college baseball. And number two, I think he wants to get back to the grassroots of coaching prospects. Um, so uh, there you go. According to Jake Johnson, we have hired, in my opinion, the best pitching coach in the country at any level. I've got some friends on the Minnesota Twins um, uh, staff. I know some of their broadcasters. I know a couple of guys inside their uh, scouting department. And um, sent him a text message. What do you think? He said, man, we hate losing. This guy's really, really good. LSU got themselves a really, really good one. So... He is going to be coaching through Thursday. Got a little doubleheader today, coaching through Thursday, and then he'll begin coaching for LSU, and he'll get on the phone, and he'll start uh, pitching to recruits. Meanwhile, LSU landed an experienced infielder from the transfer portal last night around around 11 o'clock. His name, Carter Young. Has started at shortstop all three years at Vanderbilt. He announced his commitment on Instagram late last night. He's a switch hitter. He struggled at the plate this year and he just had a bad year, batting only 207. Uh, but he hit 252 with 16 home runs during the 2021 season. He's draft eligible, uh, but appears Young wants to strengthen his stock after a down season. So with Kate Doty, departing Jacob Perry and for sure departing um, an LSU coming off a season with the lowest fielding percentage in the SEC. Um, this guy is one of the better fielders in the country. So add, add his name to an ever growing list. Carter Young from the transfer portal joins Baylor shortstop, second baseman, Jack Pineda infielder DH, Tommy White, um, as, as that's three infielders committing to the Tigers. Also, some pictures, right-hander Christian Little from Vandy and Dylan to break from Creighton. So the beat goes on with the LSU Tigers in baseball. In the NBA, Kyrie Irving is opting in to his $36.5 million option with the Brooklyn Nets for next season, Irving told The Athletic late yesterday uh, he, he'd created a list of teams he would have liked the Nets to consider working with on a sign-and-trade deal if they couldn't agree on terms for him to stay in Brooklyn. Well, uh, without the ability to find a sign-and-trade deal, Irving will exercise his player option. He has until 4 p.m. Central Time tomorrow, Wednesday, to file the paperwork to opt in. Now, Irving is no longer eligible for a sign and trade deal, but the Nets could still work to trade him as an expiring contract, but Irving would have no formal voice in a potential landing spot. He has until June 30th of next year to work out an extension with the Nets before becoming an unrestricted free agent. Good luck on that one. 
Good luck. Um, Russell Westbrook. This is this is just absolutely mind-boggling. He's planning on exercising his option for this season and returning to the Los Angeles Lakers. That dollar figure is only $47.1 million. Why, why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? Now, the Lakers have got their fingers and toes crossed that Westbrook's going to have a comeback season under new coach Darvin Ham. Uh, after 11 seasons in Oklahoma City, Westbrook completed his fourth season for a fourth team a year ago, including stops with Houston and Washington and now L.A. Uh, there you go. Russell Westbrook uh, wants to be a Laker. I've got 47 million reasons why he wants to. On the NFL front, Baker Mayfield says that the Cleveland Browns would have to reach out to reconcile, but both sides are ready to move on. He may feel in, in an interview at his um, youth camp in Norman, Oklahoma, didn't completely rule out the possibility of a reconciliation with the Cleveland Browns on Tuesday in the event that the NFL suspends his replacement, Deshaun Watson, for the entire 2022 season, which seems to be likely, if not even more than that. Mayfield, however, added the Browns would have to be the ones to start that process and that he's moved on and looking forward to joining his new team once he is finally traded. So what is Baker Mayfield saying? He's like, I want somebody to show some love to me. I want somebody to get on their knees and say, Baker, we love you. We need you at least for one more year. Come stay with us. Cleveland needs you. Cleveland wants you. Well, uh, we shall see how that all, all ends up. All ends up. It's crazy. We are 68 days away from the start of the LSU football season. And with that in mind, five-star safety Derek Williams of Westgate High in New Iberia, ouch, has committed to Texas. Uh, Williams joins E. Uh, Arch Manning, joins Eli Holstein, the three top players in the state of Louisiana, all going elsewhere. Arch to Texas, Eli to Alabama, and Derek Williams to Texas. Um, hmm. Not going to raise any alarms. Not going to wave any flags. It's uh, it is what it is. Give it time. LSU currently has six players committed for the class of 2023, including four-star safeties Michael Daugherty of Loganville, Georgia, and Ryan Yates of Denton, Texas. Derek Williams is supposed to be the best of the best, uh, and he is going to the University of Texas. So stay tuned uh, for more details on that. Um, Major League Baseball suspended 12 Angels and Mariners for their brawl the other day, including seven games for Jesse Winker and 10 games for the Angels manager, Phil Nevin. is suspended 10 games for the intentional throwing by pitcher Andrew Wants while warnings were in place. 
Injured third baseman Anthony Rendon is suspended for five games, which he'll need to serve when he returns to action. Uh, anyway, that was a full-out brouhaha. That was a good one. No question about it. A very, very good one. Uh, and, you know, you suffer the consequence. That game took forever and a day because of all the uh, uh, in-game fighting. Um, meanwhile, standings. Yankees lead the AL East by 12 over the Red Sox. The Twins, uh, with new LSU pitching coach Wes Johnson, the Twins lead the Guardians in the AL Central by three, and the Astros are up 10 in the AL West over the Rangers, 11 over the Angels. In the National League, it's the Mets with a five-game lead over Atlanta in the NL East. It is the Brewers with a half a game lead. My Cardinals are charging half a game lead over the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central and the Dodgers with a game and a half lead over the Padres in the National League West. So uh, we got a couple of horse races involved in um, Major League Baseball. Our guest list today, uh, we'll talk all things SEC with Blake Lavelle. We'll talk all things college baseball, in particular LSU with Patrick Ebert from Perfect Game. And then hour number two, it's the Black and Gold Report. Bob Rose, all the info, the latest on the New Orleans Saints. There you have it. There's your headlines of the day on this Tuesday, June 28th, the year 2022. We'll take our first time out of the day. But first, oh, DraftKings is ready to roll, baby. They are so ready because it's time for an epic night of fights. UFC 276 is here, and two titles are on the line. <clears throat> Get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter to win and get $100 in free bets, win or lose. Whether it's a victory by KO, submission, or decision, you win no matter what. And with DraftKings same-game parlays, you can turn another small bet into a big payday. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code 1037GAME this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Must be 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Availability varies by parish. Eligibility restrictions apply. Minimum $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. Licensee partner, go to Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. We'll talk Southeastern Conference stuff with Blake Lavelle from at 14 Southeastern. After this timeout, the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your soul the hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back and better than ever on this um, 28th day of uh, June 
in the year 2022. You know, in the SEC, it just means more. Uh, three straight seasons, an SEC team has won a national championship in baseball. Uh, for football, my goodness gracious. Um, three straight seasons, LSU in 2019, Alabama in 2020, Georgia in 2021. Got to go back to 2012 for basketball when John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats cut down the net. So basketball's got to catch up. But uh, the guy that covers all things Southeastern Conference for at 14 Southeastern, and he covers college basketball for as the uh, one of the editors for Blue Ribbon Yearbook. Our good friend, it's been way too long, Blake Lavelle. Man, uh, Blake, great to talk to you again, my friend. How have you been? Yeah, doing well, Jordy. Uh, good to talk to you, as always. Certainly been a busy time of year, as we know, with baseball and, and everything. Lots happening in basketball offseason and football around the corner. So, yeah, yeah. lots going on. So it, it never ends. Anything more improbable in your mind than the, the run that Ole Miss had <laughs> here recently? Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. I, I tell you, just uh, kind of the nature of the season. Um, you know, you really looked at it as we talked all year long. It looked like Tennessee was going to be the team that it just didn't seem like there was any way to stop them. And then, you know, if you did think there was going to be a team that maybe in the SEC that can move past Tennessee once you got to Omaha or something, maybe it was going to be an A&M and Arkansas, um, you know, teams like that that have really sort of turned it on. But two months ago, uh, Ole Miss not even in the conversation. It's funny because uh, I can remember having the discussion that Ole Miss seemed like they were completely done after they lost that series in Mississippi State towards the end of April, and, you know, you just thought, man, there, there's no way they're going to be able to turn this around. But they did, uh, and the team that finishes fifth in the West Division goes 14-16 and 16 in the easily the toughest conference in the country, winds yeah. up being the national champion. Um, I think it, it speaks to Ole Miss's turnaround, and certainly they deserve all the credit for that. But I think it also speaks to just the strength of the league overall and to, to see a team like that, uh, knowing coming into the season there were high expectations for them, uh, but for them to make that run and finally put it together when they needed it most, uh, yeah, it's just a, an unbelievable story. It's it's uh, it really is amazing. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy in uh, Mike Bianco, who they were. <laughs> it seems sure seemed like he was on the verge of uh, of not having a job, but uh, but they somehow sneak in, get in, and the rest is uh, is history, so to speak. So that's great. Back to back years in the state of Mississippi. Um, I think that put all the pressure in the world on Mike Bianco because of what Mississippi State did the year before. Yeah, no, it did for sure. And, and I think, again, that shows you just how, how much things can swing in this league because of the competitiveness of it. You know, we expected Tennessee to be good this year. We didn't expect them to be as good as they were. Um, you know, we knew teams like, like Arkansas, LSU, A&M would all have a chance to be really good. I don't think we expected Auburn to be as good as Auburn was. Um, certainly not a, a team that could make it that far to get to an Omaha um, you know, Vanderbilt was a little disappointing, but you know, we we looked up and said, well, we don't think Mississippi State's going to repeat as national champions or anything, but certainly we didn't think this would be the team that goes from being the best team in the country to being the worst team in the SEC statistically. When you look at them finishing nine and twenty-one in the league, and I think that shows you how quickly in this league things can change, and and that's again the product of Ole Miss, how quickly you can turn it around when you play your best baseball and knowing what you're going up against week in and week out. Um, but, but yeah, that, that puts the pressure on you. And yeah, I mean, it, it's just a wild story when you add in that aspect of Mississippi state going from the top to the bottom last year, or excuse me, this year. And, you know, now you're looking at Ole Miss who was almost there right at the bottom and here they are at the top. So Yeah. It's amazing. And, uh, 
Uh, Jake Johnson doing everything he can at LSU to get back on top and do the things that he's supposed to do. We know uh, it's a great baseball league. Football is uh, it's it's just ridiculous how good this thing is. Um, what are you looking forward to the most when when we look forward to this uh, upcoming football season? Yeah, there's there's obviously I think a lot of storylines. I think certainly you know, and we know kind of where the expectations are going to be in terms of. Um, you know, for Georgia coming off a national championship season. And I think that, you know, that flips the dynamic a little bit because usually we're coming into this point in the year where it's always about Alabama. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, well, can Georgia make that that run? Can a, an A&M, you know, make that run at them? Uh, but finally, you know, to kind of see someone do that, I think that makes it a lot more interesting now. And, and I think you start to look at some of these other teams, you know, and maybe try to figure out exactly – you know, how does it kind of unfold for some of these teams? Let's say like an Arkansas, who we know has really just turned things around. Um, you know, and in recent years, now you look at what Sam Pittman's been able to do there. And there's just a lot of different, you know, those tiny things like that. I mean, we know Georgia's going to be great. We know Bama's going to be great. Um, and it's just, I feel like we're having the same conversation about some of these other teams, whether that's an A&M, you know, being able to, to take that next step. Um, mm-hmm. You know, can what do things look like at Auburn after one of the wildest off seasons you could you could think of right. there um, with how everything you know kind of unfolded for Auburn? Um, I, I think you're you're still going to be looking at the West, which Jordy we know is no surprise. There's a lot of teams in there that have a lot of potential. I think the East you're certainly kind of feeling like it's a a work in progress based on you know you've got a new coach now in Florida. Um, everyone's chasing Georgia. There's no doubt about that. Mark Stoops going to just keep winning games. Kentucky, it's what he does. Um, but I think for sure, you know, it, it really is just about, I think it's the same storyline we always talk about, and it's really just, you know, is Alabama going to be right there at the top again next season? Is it going to be Georgia? Um, and what are those teams maybe that, that maybe surprise you a little more than maybe you would think at this point in the offseason? We saw what happened to LSU after 2019, that unbelievable team that they had, and they lost so many players to the NFL draft and, uh, yeah. and that were never the same. Uh, Georgia's in that similar position. They lost a ton of players, particularly on the defensive side. We'll see, we'll see what Kirby Smart has up his sleeves and if the recruiting is as good as they say and continues on that way. Uh, are we sleeping? Is there a sleeper team out there? And Maybe in the East is – do you foresee with a new quarterback and in the second year of a head coach in Shane Beamer that South Carolina can make a little splash this year? Yeah, I think they're an interesting one for sure. I mean, again, we look at what he could do kind of last season. You could see that team obviously make strides and the different things, um, you know, that they were able to accomplish that we didn't expect. I mean, again, like you said, we thought he was kind of coming into a situation where and you just kind of looked at it and wondered, you know, man, can they really be able to make the kind of strides you would think? Um, and look, he would probably be the first to tell you, maybe they didn't do everything they wanted to, but my goodness, that was a team that got better. And I think that's always a sign when you mm-hmm. can do that. You know, I think the momentum thing sometimes from one season to another can be overplayed at times. But I think when you have for a first year head coach to have that kind of momentum, I don't think that can be undervalued because I think it is something now that you sort of look at and feel like, it's a real opportunity for them to take a step forward. I'll tell you, Jordy, I'm also really, I'm very bullish on Tennessee because I think Josh Heupel, we've seen knowing kind of the offense that they run, um, you know, he's someone else we've seen start to maybe get that turnaround. They're not going to be the top team in the East, probably like Tennessee fans want them to be just yet, but they, I think, are starting to do do things a lot better. Now, obviously, you still don't really know 
how everything's going to play out there. But I, I'm kind of intrigued by them too. And so um, and that's where, look, the, the strength is still going to be more towards the West. But I think the East is a lot more intriguing now because you do have, again, you have a new, you know, new head coaches more recently. You've got several guys in there that are kind of trying to do the exact same thing. And I think that makes it a lot more interesting to kind of see how that plays out. So I think Tennessee is probably the team really to watch um, because I think they could make a, a significant stride this season. Like you said, too, I probably wouldn't discount a, a team like South Carolina. We really got a lot done in Shane Beamer's uh, first season. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. You, you specialize in hoops. Uh, I've never gone into an LSU basketball season knowing less about a team in my life. I, I mean, I really, I don't know anything because the guys that returned from LSU hardly played at all. And Adam Miller didn't play a lick, got transfers from Murray state and this, that, and the, I don't know anything about what to expect from Matt McMahon. Do you? Yeah, it, it is a team. And like we said, we, it's not very often you see a team that just completely flips its roster, but that's what LSU is going to be doing pretty much. And, it does make it a lot more, you know, interesting in terms of kind of how things could play out here for them because I, I think, and it is kind of a similar scenario where he's trying to do the same thing that you know Jeff Gates is trying to do at Missouri and, and Todd Golden's trying to do at Florida um, and all these other new coaches. I mean, what a what an off season for new coaches in the SEC and yeah. um, I I think for him. You know, familiarity is always important. We always say that. I think for him to bring some guys in from Murray State. From a team that we saw kind of on a national stage, this isn't just one of those teams that the you know you just throw away as a mid-major team. I think that we saw them have success and they were competing yeah. at a very very high level, and and they were kind of a unique situation. So I think these guys, you know, like Williams, all these other guys, I think they're going to be fine in terms of translating to the SEC. Um, so so I think it is one where if we had had this conversation when they had no one on the roster to what the roster looks like right now. I think you have to be thrilled with kind of how things have come together. Um, and I think they, you know, they will be a team that, that maybe initially you're trying to figure out exactly what their identity is going to be. But overall, I mean, I look at this team right now, the way it was built. And I think there's a lot of things that you're going to look at and, and feel pretty optimistic about uh, in terms of the way Matt McMahon was being able to, to kind of put the roster together as quickly as he did. And I think bring in some players that, again, will – I'm not saying maybe you're going to have a lot of all SEC guys or anything like that, but I think you're going to have a really good group of players here and a team that probably, you know, feels like at least on paper, feels like they should compete for at least a shot to get to the NCAA tournament. That would be quite the feat if uh, Matt McMahon can pull that one off. That would be, I think, uh, absolutely fantastic. Well, um, quiet times now, man. we got to look forward to uh, – the end of July for the SEC media days, and then fall camps begin, and in about 68 days, we'll be playing football. So uh, enjoy some time, man, because it's uh, it's about to get – but you get, you're putting your basketball yearbook together now, so it never stops. No, it never stops. Uh, it's, a, it's a very busy time, yeah, getting ready for, for basketball season, which, believe it or not, is not that far away at this point when you really I know. think about it. So, um, yeah, putting everything together. So, yeah, it's, it's a busy time for sure. You're the best. Blake Lavelle at 14 Southeastern. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jordan. Take care, buddy. Uh, the Houston Astros are one of the hottest teams in baseball. You can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. 
Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that's Saturday night. Astros Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. This Tuesday, July, June 28th edition brought to you by Eon of Lafayette. It is the first touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. And it's your backyard right there in Lafayette River Ranch. We'll be back. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back at 37 minutes after the hour. The final um, baseball polls have come out. Ole Miss ranked number one, of course, followed by Oklahoma number two, Texas A&M three, Arkansas four, Auburn of the SEC came in seventh, Tennessee number nine, and the LSU Tigers round out the top 25 at number 25. And that's according to D1 Baseball, which is where we go now. It's been way too long since I've had uh, Patrick Ebert on, who's a college baseball journalist for D1 Baseball. He covers the game inside and out. And Patrick, kind enough to join us uh, yet again. It's been way too long, Patrick. How have you been, sir? Doing great, Jordy. It has been a long time. <laughs> That's my fault. I apologize. That's my <laughs> error because you're good, very, very good. And I don't know what happened to me. It's just whatever. Um Unusual. How about that run by Ole Miss, huh? Yeah, that was something. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone is, of us has seen anything like that for a team that entered the year as a top five team and then to pretty much fall completely off the radar. You know, go zero and one in the SEC tournament and then barely, you know, make the field of sixty four. You know, the last team in and then go on that type of run to win it all. I mean, that's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, they did it with the pieces we thought they would. You know, it's just things transpired much differently between the beginning of, beginning of the season and the end of the season. Then, you know what? Hats off to Ole Miss because they got the job done. And, yeah. you know, Tim Elko said at the beginning of the year, if they made it to Omaha, they were going to win it all. And he was spot on. Don't let the Rebels get hot. And they certainly did. Of <laughs> course, Mike Bianco cut his teeth learning from uh, Skip Bertman, playing for Skip, then coaching with Skip, and now a long tenured run at Ole Miss, LSU, got to go back to 2009 after they dominated the 90s, winning five out of ten College World Series during that decade. Uh, 2009, Paul Maneri gets one done. It's been kind of a drought. Now it's Jake Johnson's turn. Uh, and he kind of made a, a hire that had people shaking their heads like, how did that happen? How do you hire a coach from a major league team whose team is leading their division how do you get him to, to stop, leave, and come to Baton Rouge? And that's just what he did with Wes Johnson. When you heard that news, what popped up in your head? Well, it proves how appealing of a job that is. And, 
the, you know, Wes Johnson has experience coaching at the college level and clearly, you know, he, he enjoys it. You know, he wouldn't come back if he didn't enjoy it. And, right. you know, there's obviously opportunity involved. There's obviously money involved of neither of which you can discredit. But, you know, I think the fact that, you know, he's, this is a guy that has coached in the SEC before he coached at Arkansas, he coached at Mississippi State. Um, he knows what it takes to win. He has a track record of success. As you know, as you noted, he, he's done it at the big leagues level too. So, I mean, he's a proven proven pitching coach, and no doubt, you know, Jay Johnson and his crew, and with the, with the support of the athletic department, did what it took to to go to him and convince him to come to LSU. And you know, considering the pitching coaches they have lost in the past year or two, yeah. you know, that that's a big addition for them. 62-65 games, a lot more appealing, I would think, if the money is equal than having to do 162, right? Man. That's that's a good call, too. Yeah, I mean, to, to Major League Baseball, where there is no offseason, you know, you, you get off and you're working with your pitchers year-round. Not that, you know, at the college level, you don't have much of an offseason, too, with all the recruiting involved and things like that. But, yeah, it's, it's a good point. The, the level of commitment isn't quite as great. Got to have a little family life, I would think. LSU has uh, in their grasp, according to you guys and others, the number one recruiting class in the country. They're going to lose some to Major League Baseball. There's no question about that. But when you look at the job that Jake Johnson's done in the in the portal already again, boy, he works that thing pretty good, doesn't he? Yeah, I, it's pretty incredible what he's done from an overall recruiting standpoint. Um, as you know, I, I cover prospects at the high school level in addition to the college. So I get to see these young men, you know, before, um, you know, a lot of times before their junior or senior year in high school. And last summer, name after name after name, I was looking at these guys on a, from a national perspective, and they're, they're all signed with LSU. And I, I'm just thinking, <laughs> like, wow. You know, like Jay Johnson is making a point. He's hitting it hard. He and his staff, you know, because he certainly doesn't do it alone. And then to do what he's done over the past week, and go out and get Carter Young from Vanderbilt and Christian Little, Little also from Vanderbilt and and um, Tommy Tommy White from NC State and a few others too, you know, to supplement your team like that is is just incredible and you know it makes the point you know they go out and get West Johnson they're going and adding these players they already have a good roster to work with they're coming off of forty wins you like LSU is not messing around this team means to win and they mean to win a championship. Yeah, no question about that. Um, of those prospects that you mentioned, um, and Baylor uh, shortstop, second baseman, Jack Pineda is another one. You mentioned yep. Tommy White. You mentioned Young. You mentioned, mentioned Christian Little. Uh, Dylan Tabrake, uh, I think is how you pronounce it, from Creighton. Um, who makes the biggest impact, do you think? Yeah, I'm going to have to say Tommy White. I think uh, I think the idea there is that he's going to be plugged in seamlessly for, for uh, Jacob Berry. Um, okay. Jacob Berry is expected to be taken in the first round of the draft, if not the first round, the second round. Um, I think Carter Young is a guy that, you know, he's committed to LSU, but he's also draft eligible. So you're going to have to contend with that, as is Tabrock with Creighton, who, um, you know, upper 80s, low 90s arm with a pretty good curveball if he makes it to LSU's campus. And at this point in time, if they're committing to LSU, you have to believe that is very much on their radar. You know, but for someone like Carter Young, who entered the year as a potential first-round pick, obviously did not have the year that he expected to have. But we see this, right? You see this in the offseason where, where players start to recognize the moves a team makes, and, and that definitely can affect their decision. And it'll be interesting to see 
you know, if Carter Young slips a little bit in the draft, um, you know, just it, it, I, I think that would be a pretty good sign to point to that, hey, this guy, this guy wants to come back to college. This guy wants to win a championship too. So, but I do think Tommy White, what he did his freshman year at NC State, all the home runs, such an offensive force. Um, it's hard not to go with him as, as the player that's going to have the biggest impact. Patrick Ebert, D1 Baseball. Do you notice a trend now where, with this name, image, and likeness thing, where, and, and college baseball's gotten so good, and the, the Southeastern Conference is so good from top to bottom that this benefits college baseball, and you're going to start seeing more of these prospects that say, you know what? I don't want to go on those bus rides and uh, stay in those little, little hotels. I'd rather go to LSU or to Ole Miss or wherever, Tennessee, wherever, um, and play against the best in college, Get make some money through name, image, and likeness, improve my game, and three years from now, I'll go give Major League Baseball my chance. Do you see a, a trend here? Certainly could be. You know, when we saw the draft shorten the 20 rounds, and we're seeing more and more high schoolers, you know, go, go the college route. You know, we're seeing about 100 high school players, maybe 120 that are drafted and signed. And, you know, you figure 20 times 30, you know, 20, 20 rounds times 30 picks each, you know, do the math. I mean, 100 yeah. high school kids isn't that much of that total number of players mm-hmm. being drafted. Um, I, you know, I think the best example to me was the Arkansas catcher Michael Turner I was down in the Stillwater Regional where Arkansas was player, playing, and you know uh-huh. he comes out with a series of social media posts where he's promoting this like real estate company where he's you know basically getting some place to live while he goes to school. How mm-hmm. is baseball players? No one gets a full ride, right? right? So why not take advantage of those opportunities? I I completely applaud Turner and Arkansas and everyone involved and anyone that can do a deal like that because I mean I went to college. I would have loved to have that opportunity to do something like that. And I'm sure there's a lot of other kids, like you mentioned, are thinking the same thing. I'm with you. Um, I think it's great. I, and I'm still, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so mad at, uh, at, at the NCAA for the restrictions they put on baseball. Baseball's proven. Uh, they've got television deals in place. And it just is ridiculous that they haven't increased the scholarship limits to college baseball. I just don't understand it. I don't know why uh, why they haven't. It's mind-boggling to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, we could spend an hour talking about that. You know, I mean, a lot of it goes back to Title IX and, you know, like making fair opportunities for both, you know, men and women's athletes and, and that stuff. So if you're going to increase the scholarships in one sport for men, you have to do the same for women. But, again, these aren't hurdles that can't be overcome. And, what benefits one group of people obviously benefits another group of people. So why yeah. is that a bad thing? Now, I realize not all schools can do this, you know, being a resident of the Midwest. I know there's a lot of Midwest teams that, you know, don't want to see rosters or, you know, scholarships expand because quite frankly, they don't have the financial opportunities to do that. But at the same time, you're holding back a conference like the SEC, which clearly wants to move forward. They want to add that third paid coach. They want to, increase the scholarship opportunities and the roster opportunities and things like that. So, so that's, that's my short way of saying I'm with you. I am I'm, I'm all for anything that, that benefits the players. Then that's definitely at the top of the list. 
Um, Patrick, LSU's got, according to reports, they've got about eight five-star recruits um, <laughs> on their commitment list. Eight. That's, that's unbelievable. Uh, Justin Crawford, an outfielder. Paxton Kling, an outfielder. Tucker Torman, an infielder. Jaden Newt, a right-handed pitcher. Mickey Romero, an infielder. Chase Shores, a right-handed pitcher. Brady Neal, a catcher. And Jared Jones, a catcher. I'm sure you're familiar with these players. Any shot LSU keeps any of those guys? Oh, yeah. They're going to keep some type of collection of them. It, it happens every year. You know, it's, we see it with a lot of these schools that are always, you know, bringing in the top recruiting classes. And once in a while you have that year where, you know, you have some surprises and, and like 80% of that class will sign, you know, and it's a complete shock. But, you know, part of the reason that they sign so many high-profile guys is because, they know that, right? Like some of them are going to yeah. get drafted and signed, but they also know they're probably going to get a surprise or two along the way. I mean, when Vanderbilt recruited Kumar Rocker and, and a few other guys, like that was a pretty special class. If yeah. you would ask someone like me, you know, hey, what do you think about Kumar Rocker and, and making it to Vanderbilt next year? I would have said no chance. No and way. yet he went to Vanderbilt, pitched three years there, won a College World Series, and, you know, and, and now he's up for the draft again. And it yeah. looks like he could be on a first-round pick once again. So that's, that's the same thing with this LSU class. I actually saw one of the players last night, uh, Paxton Kling. He's playing in the Prospect League, which is a summer collegiate league, um, trying to get some reps, trying to get more exposure, trying to show what he can do. Because uh, if, you know, if he isn't drafted high enough, then these at-bats will, will yeah. come, into, you know, come into play, give him more experience. So when he does arrive you know, on campus at LSU, he can say, He's seen college pitching, and he knows the difference between college and high school pitching. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a special class, and it'll be fun to see which which group of these guys makes it to campus. Uh, not many from the state of Louisiana won the, the Gatorade Player of the Year from Louisiana, Gavin Guidry out of Lake Charles, uh, a 6'2 infielder. Have you ever seen him play? Not Guidry. No, I haven't seen Guidry play. Um, I've seen Mikey Romero play, who's a shortstop from California, and yep. uh, one of the best hitters available in this year's draft. Brady Neal, Jared Jones, both power hitting catchers. I think LSU fans would be very big fans of Tucker Tillman's a versatile infielder, and then Justin Crawford is the uh, outfielder's son of Carl Crawford, who played for the hmm. Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, doesn't seem like that all that long ago that that happened, but similar type of speed-based player with some pop. So wow. there's a little bit of athleticism and pretty much every spot on the field is part of this recruiting class. That's awesome. When I see a right-handed picture, Chase Shores, who's 6'8", 240, um, I just want to see the kid throw it and see how, th- how hard he throws it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, and again, like a... a the player I went to see last night was a Vanderbilt commit by the name of Noah Schultz. He's a six foot nine left-handed pitcher, throwing ninety-two to ninety-four at eighteen years old. And you know, it, it's that type of thing that I mean, it was a two and a half hour drive, but it was well worth the drive because you know you get a glimpse of that future and it, it creates excitement. And you yeah. know, it's fun to think about you know what he could become down the road. SEC just gets better and better and better, and I think LSU's getting better and better, and we're better off having Patrick Ebert back on, man. Thank you so much. Um, I, I, it really, you, you're, you're so good and you're so knowledgeable. I really do appreciate your time. Hey, it's always fun to come on, Jordy, so anytime. All right, buddy. D1 Baseball's Patrick Ebert, kind enough to join us. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you out uh, when you become a member. 
of our rewards club. Now, when you become a member, you got the opportunity to win excellent prizes, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. Back to wrap up our number one after this timeout on the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. All right, we are back at 56 minutes after the hour. The Astros open up a two-game road series tonight at the New York Mets. First pick set for 6-10. You can listen to Robert Ford and Steve Sparks on the call live from Queens right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, <coughs> 1041 Lake Charles, excuse me, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. So two best teams in their respective divisions meet up again tonight. So there you go. Coming up, our number two, Bob Rose, Saints News Network, for his weekly edition of the Black and Gold Report, plus all the latest headlines and more. Here on the Jordy Helper Show, brought to you by Eon of Louisiana. Lose it and lose it forever. The premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. Call 337-278-7641. Ask for Tara. 337-278-7641. Feel more confident with Eon. Back for hour number two next. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, June 28th, the year 2022. We're brought to you by Eon of Louisiana, the first robotic, touchless, laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. Look, we all have our own health and fitness journeys, right? We all want to look good. We want to feel good. We want to feel young want to live a long life um, with each of these personal journeys we all constantly strive to feel our most confident self look good feel good all that sometimes those trouble areas can make you feel like you're you know you're just far from your goals you try you try you try as hard as you might it just still doesn't work well if you pair your healthy lifestyle with eon well eon can help your you spot treat those trouble areas and reach your goals faster. On average, patients see a 21 to 25% fat loss after a full abdomen treatment in just 12 weeks. Lose inches, lose pounds, and do it without feeling a thing and doing a thing. Just continue your healthy lifestyle, continue your exercises, and let Eon do the rest for you. Eon the premier touchless robotic laser body contouring device that specializes in permanent fat reduction treatments. They have financing involved. Just uh, give them a call, 337-278-7641, 337-278-7641. 
7641. Ask for Tara and tell him you heard it here on the Jordy Hultberg Show. Yes, uh, tennis at Wimbledon is underway. And um, I just saw the movie King Richard. Of course, that was the movie that Will Smith won the Academy Award for. And of course, that's where he had the the big brouhaha with um, um, on the stage and did, all, you know, slapped uh, rock, Chris Rock and did all that crazy, goofy stuff that those in Hollywood do. Uh, but anyway, uh, Serena uh, Williams right now is has lost the first set um, and is leading the second set four three. So uh, stay tuned for that one. We shall see how. Um, Serena lost the first set seven, five, and now leads the second. She was up. Uh, she leads the second set. I'm sorry. Three love. So five, seven, three love Serena Williams trying to get to a third and, and, and final set on that one. I never talk politics on this show. It's not my place. I'm not trying to, uh, convince or persuade anyone of anything. I believe everyone has the right to do and think what they want. Um, but. This Brittany Griner stuff over in Russia is just mind boggling to me. Um, two things happened at her preliminary hearing in Russia yesterday. Um, a Moscow court set the start date for her trial for this Friday. But in conjunction with that, they extended Griner's detention by six more months. Um, six more months. So, if, if followed through, if not, she's going to be there for a year, a year. Um, she was, remember, arrested at a Moscow airport on February 17th for alleged cannabis possession after officials said they found vape cartridges with hashish oil in her luggage. Uh, Griner, the former uh, Baylor star who played for Kim Mulkey, uh, is 31 years old. She could face 10 years in prison if convicted of large-scale transportation of drugs. This is all about, um, it's like a movie. It's like a movie. Because now, Russian state media report that the government will free Griner in exchange for convicted arms trafficker Victor Bout. Now, he has a great nickname, right? The Merchant of Death. Bout was arrested in Thailand in 2008, extradited to the United States, sentenced to 25 years for conspiracy to kill U.S. citizens, delivery of anti-aircraft missiles, and providing aid to a terrorist organization. It's like that James Bond movie where they exchange James Bond for this Korean criminal, and it's it's beyond beyond comprehension. Uh, look, um, I don't know much about vaping. I, I don't do it. I don't know anything about it, but it seems very, very minor um for this to happen like this so it's become a uh a game of um tug of war really so Brittany griner um sheesh, trial gets started on friday how fair is that trial gonna be would you think anyway good luck to her my goodness gracious sakes a lot um crazy uh sticking with the nba as i said earlier kyrie irving's opting in He's going to stay with the Brooklyn Nets. So all that drama has come to an end. He's going to get his $36.5 million. Uh, if he had gone to L.A., he was going to make about $6 million. So there you go. Always follow the money. 
no matter what. So Brooklyn has the nightmare again of having to deal with Kyrie Irving, and maybe maybe he decides to play. Maybe he decides not to play. Um, he only played in 29 regular season games last year. When he did play, man, 27 points, six assists, four rebounds, but 29 is a lot less than 82, a lot less. Uh, but he's very talented, but is he worth it? In my humble opinion, no, not at all. Not even remotely close. So, uh, yes, um, the the ACC is the latest conference to drop divisions for a format with permanent rivalries starting in 2023. Uh, so this year, this season will be the final year of the Atlantic and the Coastal Divisions. Starting in 2023, the ACC announced it will move to a 3-5-5 format in which each team has three permanent rivalry games annually with the other 10 opponents rotating on an every other year basis. So this is the new way. Um, it's going to shift back to a single division format and uh, that's how it's going to be. And I think you're going to see more and more and more. The, the ACC got a taste of the single division system in 2020 when Notre Dame football joined the conference on a one-year basis due to those COVID-19 restrictions. And with the 15 members, the ACC scrapped division and the season culminated with a Clemson-Notre Dame matchup in the league's title game, with both teams ultimately making it to the college football playoff. Of course, that's when Brian Kelly was coaching the Fighting Irish. So uh, the ACC is now the fifth FBS league to scrap divisions. The Big 12 has operated without division since 2011 after the departures of Nebraska, Missouri, and Texas A&M. The American did away with the divisional format last year when UConn departed for independent status. The Pac-12 and Mountain West have also voted to eliminate divisions for 2023. Um, the SEC, well, a lot of people think they're going to follow suit but they remain in discussions over the very best format. So some think the pods work. Some say just put them all in one. Uh, it's all about scheduling and keeping those teams um, that mean the most to the fans, keeping those games together, plain and simple. So stay tuned for that with the SEC. But more and more teams are scrapping that. And again, not to be redundant, but – they're going to break away from the NCAA, these power five schools. They're going to start their own big deal. And that's just the way it's going to be down the road. It's going to happen. Boy, you know what happened? It's a shame. <coughs> Bryce Harper of the Philadelphia Phillies is going to have surgery on a broken left thumb. Um, injured after being hit by a 97 mile per hour fastball from Blake Snell in the fourth inning Saturday uh, in a win by the Phillies over the San Diego Padres. The Phillies announced that Harper will be out indefinitely with the injury, uh, put him on the 10-day injured list, but it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't know how, you know, baseball with with your thumb gripping the bat, all that stuff. I don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. Still can't get rid of this cough. I, I humbly apologize. Um, he's the reigning National League MVP. He's hitting 318, 15 homers, 48 ribbies, 985 OPS. In 64 games, 
Um, so I feel for Bryce Harper. I feel for the Philly, the Phillies. Um, when your superstar goes down, not intentional on anybody's part. It's just that's just baseball. I, I would shudder to have, as, if you have ever been in a batter's box. Can you imagine a ball coming at you at ninety-seven miles an hour? You can't get out of the. I don't care how good your reflexes are. You can't get out of the way. That thing comes to you. Oh man, it's just it's awful. It's awful. Anyway, all right. Let's see here. Um, before we get to Bob Rose and the Saints News Network, uh, the Houston Astros, one of the hottest teams in baseball. Really good ball club. How'd you like to see them live and in person? Well, listen how to how you can. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, can hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on Seattle on Saturday, July the 30th. Plenty of time for you to register. You can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. If I were you, I'd register on both. Huh, just saying. Uh, to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Easy. Get it, get, get it going. And Astros and the Mets, two division leaders, one in the American League, one in the National League. They start um, a two-game road series tonight. First pitch set for 6-10. You can listen to the action right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We got you covered. Yes, indeed. All right, let's take a time out here. When we come back, it's time to talk NFL, time to talk about the New Orleans Saints. We're going to focus on the uh, NFC South. Is it a two-horse race? Is is Carolina better? Is Atlanta better? Are the Saints close to Tampa Bay, or is Tampa Bay close to the Saints? Uh, We'll talk with Bob Rose. After this timeout on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, southwest Louisiana's sports station. It's a Tuesday, and we welcome in Bob Rose um, with the Black and Gold Report yet again. Good afternoon, Robert. How are you, sir? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing pretty well. I uh, hope you and your family are doing uh, great also. We are doing. Uh, it's, it seems like the summer's busier than ever with all the activities yeah. and stuff. My gosh, I'm just an unpaid Uber driver. But uh, the <laughs> yep. beat goes on. Um, great honor for Steve Gleason. Uh, next month, he'll win the Stuart Scott Inspire Award at the ESPYs uh, for all the things that he has done with. Uh, uh, it's a humanitarian award. Um, it's such a great honor for such, a, you know, Steve Gleason. What, what, you know, what do you what do you say about the man? I, it, it's hard to come up with the words. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry about the pause. Because you know, Steve is just such an inspirational figure. Uh, I mean, you know, well beyond the sports world, uh, you know, just just the fight uh, and you know the the attitude that he you know, continues to take on. You know, not only this disease, but everyday life in general. Things that you and I and the average person take for granted, uh, you know, is 
obviously a beyond a chore and you know, beyond his physical capabilities at this stage of his life. Uh, yeah, but yeah, he does everything with you know, just just a joyous attitude uh, yeah, and, and embraces whatever life gives to him and makes everything positive out of it. I, I truly look up to Steve Gleason as a person and a human being. I'm with you. Well said. Um, you ever heard of the name Brian Henry? Uh, I have not. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, Brian Henry might be the craziest or most devoted who fan anywhere. He is, um, He's known as Brian Signature St. Henry, the most fanatical of New Orleans football fanatics. He's got 100 Saints tattoo signatures on his anatomy. What? As soon as you said Brian Saints fan, that's what triggered my you know, my recollection. Uh, you know, he and I are I'm fortunate to be friends with him on Facebook. Uh, and yeah, yeah, man, what, what he's doing. I'm a pretty fanatical fan myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my my house, my office, my, the corner of my living room is loaded with collect collectibles. <laughs> you see me wear a different Saint shirt every day. Uh, yeah, but man, I mean, yeah, anybody that gets a tattoo of their favorite team, uh, yeah, I, I, I just kind of I, I kind of look at with an raised eyebrow. But to go to that extent, uh, I mean, it, it's it, that takes fanatical to a whole new level. Man, he he just. Um... He says, this to me is a lifelong scavenger hunt. Truly. Um, it's about the chase, he said. So he's got to go get autographs and then <laughs> show the tattoo artist. And here we go. I mean, I don't know how much more room he has. Uh, but anyway, God bless him. Good luck to him. Um, uh, of course, the Saints are all dismissed, but uh, th they're expecting anything and everything as far as this uh, Alvin Kamara situation. Uh, you know, Mickey Loomis has said it, then I said, what else are they going to say? Um, but again, we talked about it last week. It sure would be nice if the NFL would say, look, uh, we're going to hand hand out this issue, issue this, uh, suspension now, whatever it may be. So you can kind of plan and get on with your life. I'd certainly rather that happen myself. Yeah, Jordy. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, and the NFL has made this mistake in the past. They are not going to make a ruling on this, uh, on anything. Yeah about this kind of situation uh, until the court hearing gets settled. And Kamara's hearing has been pushed back twice now. Uh, it's scheduled now uh, next for August 1st, I believe, but I know it's within the first couple of days of August. Uh, and even that's just a preliminary hearing. So this thing could drag out well into the season. Uh, you know, if it does so, that's a good news, bad news scenario. Yeah. Because if the NFL is true to their recent activity of you know, uh, of holding off punishment until a hearing has been settled uh, and you know, Alvin decides to proceed with the not guilty plea that it looks like he's going to do, uh, you know, then he might he could conceivably even go through the 2022 season without getting suspended, depending on how long this court proceeding plays out. Uh, and, you know, the, the mess that's going on you know, with Deshaun Watson uh, you know, uh, also plays a factor in what's yeah. going on with Kamara. Because you know, if you're the league, you certainly, you certainly want to avoid the PR nightmare of handing down, you know, say, for example, a six-game suspension to Alvin Kamara, uh, and then something with such increased ferocity, uh, yeah, that Deshaun Watson has been accused with, uh, you know, you end up letting him essentially slide. Uh, you know, now, I'm not discounting any kind of you know, domestic violence or felony assault or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not brushing that under the carpet whatsoever. Right. right. Uh, 
but yeah, I, I do not envy the position that the, this league office is in right now. However, you're right. The league office does have the right. Even if Kamara goes to trial and is found not guilty and all that stuff, the league could still conceivably suspend him yes, for could. at least a couple games for the violation of the personal conduct clause in the player agree in the player personnel agreement. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, your mail has been delivered, by the way, uh, so you can check Sorry. it after after our segment. Um, and look, people go crazy over this fantasy football stuff. Yeah. Man, and Kamara is always one of the top picks because of his versatility running for touchdowns, catching passes for touchdown. I'm sure there's a lot of fantasy football people going, hurry up, let us know. Oh, absolutely. And I'm glad I don't play fantasy football anymore yeah. for, for a variety of reasons. Uh, yeah, but yeah, speaking specifically on Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, if if you had your eyes on Kamara in a fantasy draft, you're uh you're troubled enough because of the other weapons that the Saints brought in this offseason, and conceivably that could reduce Kamara's touches. I personally don't think it'll affect it a whole lot. Uh, yeah, but then you add a potential suspension, and when is it going to incur, and more importantly, how long is it going to be? That almost makes Kamara, I'm not going to say undraftable, but you certainly wouldn't want to touch him with a first pick or two uh, in the first round or two, rather. Yeah, Um Bob Rose Saints News Network. Over the weekend, uh, a New Orleans Saint was inducted into the Louisiana Sports Hall of Fame. When I say Jari Evans, man, what a ball player, huh? Yeah, definitely. And I, I was such a huge fan of Jari uh, you know, when he played. Uh, ironically, I had just published an article a day or two before that Louisiana Hall of Fame announcement. Uh, and I named Jari as one of the, uh, the Saints outside of obviously Drew Brees and probably Sean Payton. I named Jari at the top, near the top of my list of this you know, former Saints players uh, or management that should be, that should have their next step in the, in Canton, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Wow. Uh, and I I think Jari Evans is that good. His first year of eligibility isn't until this January, uh, January, mm -hmm. February, whenever they vote on it uh, in 2023. I don't know if Jari is a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I truly believe that he will get in. Next to Willie Rofe, I think Jari Evans was yeah. the most dominant New Orleans Saints lineman of all time. And that's saying something because the Saints have had a lot yeah. of great linemen. Started all 16 games for the NFL's top rated offense in 2006 when he was a rookie. Uh, and for 11 years, a fixture at the right guard position. I agree with you 100%. I think a Willie Rofe, I think a Jari Evans, one, two, uh, and then you go from there. So, um, which leads me to my next question. How, um, do we have another Jari Evans? Is there a guy on this offensive line that you think has the pedigree to be even mentioned in, in the same breath with a Willie Rofe and a Jari Evans? Yeah, I think there's a couple that uh, that have potential. You got to start with Ryan Ramchuk. Uh -huh. uh, and first of all, all these guys across the front line are young. I mean, you know, Trevor Penning is a rookie, uh, and even the oldest among them, you know, Andrus Pete. I don't even think Andrus Pete is 30 years old yet. Uh, yeah, just came into the league in 2015. Uh, yeah, but as far as dominance and hopefully being able to sustain dominance over a, an extended period, which is the mark of a Hall of Famer, I think Ryan Ramchuk has got to be the first name on uh, out of your mouth. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ramchek is already one of uh, you know, the NFL's best linemen at any spot uh, and you know, one of your top 
if not the, your top tackle, uh, yeah, definitely in the top two or three. Uh, and Orion, of course, only came into the league in 2017, so he certainly has to put together you know, a handful more years of, uh, of domination at this level. But, yeah, I think Ryan Ramchek is definitely a potential Hall of Famer. And a dark horse uh, it, for me is Eric McCoy. I think McCoy is already a Pro Bowl caliber lineman. Uh, and again, yeah, he's only coming into his fourth year. So he has to you know, sustain this. For a lineman, I'd say you got to sustain excellence for at least a decade, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, if not more. Uh, yeah, but McCoy is among the top centers, top interior linemen in the league. So certainly, you know, just like Jari Evans, if he's able to sustain it uh, you know, over the length of, say, a dozen or so year NFL career, I think you're talking a potential Hall of Famer and Eric McCoy as well. Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Anytime I mention Andrus Pete, people just kind of go, ugh. I-, I don't know if there's any other player on that team that's like people have less faith in than he. Why is that? I wish I could tell you. Uh, I, I mean, when you look at him on the field, he's really, really inconsistent as a pass blocker. He's as good a run blocker as there is. And you know, hypothetically, if the Saints released him tomorrow, Anders Pete would be a free agent for about 15 seconds before someone signed him up uh, mm-hmm. to, to a multi-year deal. But the issue with offensive linemen is when, do, you know, when does the average person see or hear their name? When they miss a block and get their quarterback killed yeah. or when they get a penalty against them. And he does both. Uh, yeah. uh, right. Uh, and, you know, Anders Pete, we've seen Pete absolutely dominate top level players like Aaron Donald. Uh, but he can do that one week. Uh, and then the next week, he looks like a revolving door at that left tackle yeah. or left guard spot, uh, you know, getting, you know, getting. Uh, and allowing penetration into the backfield. Uh, and, you know, that's what sticks out to Anders Pete. That uh, and the the very, very lucrative contract that the Saints extended him with uh, a couple of years ago. I understand why they did it, but that financially tied them to Pete, uh, you know, for yeah, even at this point, we're talking for three consecutive years uh, and for at least one more year. Saints fans do not like their team being financially obligated into you know, it with uh, pretty much anyone. Uh, and like I said, yeah, you know, Andrews as an offensive lineman, you know, if you have a bad game that sticks in people's heads, and if you have an awful, awful game that sticks in their heads even more, and that's going to trump any good performances you have. Yeah, it seems to outweigh the good. Uh, is there somebody better than he is on this team? Because he keeps starting every game every year. At interior lineman, no, Jordy, there's not. Uh, and you know, New Orleans recognizes this. You know, it, it, whether you like him or not, Pete has been to the Pro Bowl three, three or four times. And uh, this offense is noticeably different when he is injured, which unfortunately is often Uh, another reason why Saints fans do not like him. Uh, I love James Hurst. Uh, James Hurst could open up the year as your left tackle if Trevor Penning comes along slowly. But Hurst is a better fit at guard. I'd say Hurst is the second best guard on this team behind Andrews Pete. I, if I was coaching, I'd start James Hurst over Cesar Ruiz in a heartbeat. Uh, and if you're Saints fans and you want to direct your anger at any lineman, direct it at Mr. Ruiz. Uh, I see the frustration with Pete's inconsistencies and his injury history, but he's the best guard that this team has. Okay. I got you. Um, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. I saw something on some part of social media that uh, Jameis Winston put out of him um, moving around in the pocket, doing some passing drills just the other day. Uh, He's got a brace on his knee. 
Uh, but he looked like uh, looked like he was moving pretty well. I guess he just wants to keep the the Saints faithful, informed as to as to how he's doing, how his recovery's uh, coming along, and that he's putting in the work. and And I, for one, appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and even Jarvis Landry has said uh, has joked, no matter how early he shows up to the team facilities, Jameis Winston is all always already there, and it's become a competition between kind you know, a good hearted competition between mm-hmm. Jarvis and Jameis to see who gets to that facility first. And yeah, I've watched a lot of these Jameis Winston you know, workout videos, especially this past off season. Uh, and yeah, he is looking stronger and stronger as far as the mobility drills that he does. Uh, it's just been recently that I've seen him. Uh, obviously, he wore the brace during OTAs uh, and mini camps, but it's just been recently that I've seen him wear the brace during these workout sessions, uh, the workout videos that he posts. I'm interested to see whether he goes into training camp and the preseason games with this brace on or not. Uh, Obviously, you would think it's been strongly recommended by doctors, uh, but uh, players will often forego a knee brace uh, in terms of, yeah, it's 90% mental. Uh, yeah, but in terms of you know, if they, if Jameis believes that it's restricting his mobility and he feels confident and comfortable without it, uh, then he could go without it. But I'm interested to see which direction he goes with the brace. But yeah, as far as you know, how good and how strong he looks, uh, uh, I'm really encouraged. And I love the kid as a worker. I mean, he, he say what you will about his decision making on the football field. He works his tail off. You know what I miss? I miss the Alvin Kamara workouts on the, on the little yeah. ball and all that, you know, showing his, his um, balance and his flexibility and his, his reflexes. It seems like every year you get one of those things that pop up. Hadn't seen that this year. Kind of miss it. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and Kyle Mosley and I, Kyle, you know, of course, is my editor and my boss at the uh, Saints News Network. We had the honor of interviewing uh, uh, Alvin's primary trainer, Dr. Reef, uh, and he was just running us through some of these crazy, crazy drills that we haven't seen, uh, you know, Kamara uh, or his workout mm-hmm. team post. Uh, and if you wonder about the the balance and mobility that Alvin Kamara has on a football field, you watch these drills and oh, it looks like, and I, in my prime, I was a pretty mobile and mobile athlete myself, uh, you know, with, with good balance, but nowhere near the level of this no. craziness, man. I mean, no. the, the videos I've seen Alvin do, you know, no human being should be able to do that. Uh, and the laws of physics, uh, and, and the way the body bends it, he shouldn't be able to do that. No, you're right. Uh, I, I just hope he's around for uh, maybe maybe 11 games, I hope, at the, at, at, at the least. But we'll see, and we'll find out when the NFL decides to, to let us know. We'll take a timeout here when we continue with Bob Rose. We'll kind of roughly touch on the NFC South and uh, which teams have made the best moves during this offseason. Have the, have the Panthers, Falcons gotten better? Is are the Bucks better? We'll, we'll get Bob's opinion after this timeout. The Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the Houston Astros, the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 28th, 1975. Reigning PGA Championship winner Lee Trevino and playing partners Jerry Hurd, Bobby Nichols, Jim Ahern, and Tony Jacklin are struck by lightning at the Western Open. The group suffers minor burns. 
That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back, Black and Gold Report, Bob Rose, Saints News Network on this Tuesday, June 28th. Bob, let's kind of delve into um, the NFC South a little bit, if you don't mind, and particularly starting with the uh, the Dirty Birds themselves, the Atlanta Falcons. No no more Matty Ice at quarterback. So Marcus Mariota, Desmond Ritter, Felipe Franks. Um, very familiar with, with all of them. Uh, Desmond Ritter, of course, coached by the uh, coach Denbrock, who's now the offensive coordinator at LSU. Felipe Franks was an LSU commitment back in the day before he went to Florida. Uh, I'm sorry, but none of those three scare me at all. Nor should they. And I don't think they scare NFL teams either. Uh, it looks to me like the, uh, the, the Falcons are a team that's gunning for a top two or th- a top second or third overall draft pick in 2023. Uh, I just, I, I look down that roster and I see a whole lot of misses, uh, you know, with their number one draft choices over the past four uh-huh. or five years. <clears throat> uh, like you said, yeah, at Matt Ryan, you know, like him or not, Saints fans, he was a very productive passer. Uh, and you know, they they have a significant downgrade at the position with Marcus Mariota, who will open the season as starter. Uh, you know, Desmond Ritter, he might have a future there. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I think he was the he was my second rated quarterback coming into the draft. Uh, and it wouldn't surprise me if Desmond Ritter even started uh, the last part of the season for the Atlanta Falcons. I agree. Uh, but there's a reason why he slipped into what the you know, third, maybe even fourth round. Uh, and, you know, you look throughout that roster again, you know, uh, other than Kyle Pitts and yeah. Cordero Patterson, there's nobody that scares you offensively. Defensively, they're still a mess. Uh, you know, they, they have a they have a good cornerback who I like in A.J. Terrell, uh, Terrell, excuse me. Uh, you know, Deion Jones, LSU product. Uh, it looks like he's taken a step back uh, at, at linebacker. Uh, and there's nobody up front outside of Grady Jarrett, who's uh, who's aging rapidly. Uh, there's nobody up front to keep blockers off of those smaller athletic linebackers. So Atlanta is getting gashed in the trenches uh, and on the second level. Uh, and that allows any quarterback to pick your defense apart. Yeah, the Falcons are going to be a bad, bad team this year. The Falcons opened the 2022 NFL regular season against the Saints September 11th at Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You mentioned Deion Jones, the former LSU Tiger. He has a cap hit of over $20 million for 2022, $13.64 million in guaranteed money. That's the last big unsettled contract that the Falcons have. He missed the entire offseason program coming off a shoulder injury, so there's a big question mark there. But the thing I... You mentioned Mariota. You mentioned the Corderell Patterson at running back. Mm-hmm. What happened to? I, I'm thinking of wide receiver. I'm thinking of, um, uh, you know, all the great receivers that Atlanta used to have. I, Drake London, Brian Edwards, Olamid Zacchaeus, Demir Bird, Auden. I don't know any of those guys. Who are they? I, I and a lot of people won't know them. Uh, you know, Drake London, he's a solid receiver. Uh, you know, in fact, he was the first wide receiver off the board. Uh, in my opinion, another mistake. I'd have taken, uh, I'd have certainly taken the guy that the Saints took at eleven. You know, with Alave, uh, along with you know, 
Drake would have been my fourth or fifth wide receiver, uh, but he is a big body target, uh, you know, a nice athleticism. So he can't beat a defense down the field. Uh, yeah, the, the Atlanta Falcons, I was hearing some people you know, talk about uh, that the Falcons were maybe seeing a Michael Thomas clone. Uh, and Drake London. And if he turns out to be even close to what Michael Thomas is, you know, it is, was, uh, you know, then they got themselves a heck of a receiver. Uh, but outside of that, they, they traded for Brian Edwards from the Raiders. Edwards is a good receiver, but again, he's a big possession guy. Where is your, where's your threat that's going to take the top off a of defense? Uh, you're going to need to stretch a defense out to keep them from stacking the box because Cordell Patterson is a guy that's best in space. Uh, you know, he, he's not a between the tackle stumper. So you can't have defenses putting an extra defender or two in there. Otherwise you destroy your running game. Uh, again, we know firsthand how awful that Atlanta offensive line is. Uh, you know, so, you know, you need to keep defenses honest, uh, you know, to, to give your quarterback a fighting chance at play action. Uh, and, yeah, it, it, it's great to have all those big physical guys that could work the intermediate routes. But if defenses don't respect any of your deep threats, then they, they, they're going to creep those safeties up. They're going to clog the, uh, the interior zones uh, you know, with, by dropping linebackers or two. Uh, yeah, I, just, I don't see the consistent threat out of the Atlanta offense. Arthur Smith uh, is the 18th head coach in Atlanta Falcons history, named January 15th. 2021 he took over the club after serving as tennessee's offensive coordinator for the two previous seasons he doesn't have a derrick henry he doesn't have some of those weapons that the titans have um what does arthur smith bring to the table as a head coach in your opinion? well we'll find out uh yeah because yeah, yeah, clearly atlanta has decided that they're going to move on with a rebuilding project uh you know i mean you don't get rid of a quarterback like matt ryan unless you make a commitment that we're going to rebuild from the ground up uh, and you know, again, we're talking. Brian Edwards is only in his fourth year. <laughs> Kyle Pitts is in his, in his second year. Drake London's a first-round draft pick. So if you see some progress, yeah, you know, Arthur Smith is an offensive guy, like you said. If you see some progress out of that Falcons offense, uh, yeah, and maybe you know, if Ritter starts or Mariota finally develops, like everybody thought he would a few years ago when he was the second overall pick, if one of those two quarterbacks start to develop then Arthur Smith could have a future in Atlanta. Uh, if we see some kind of regression and there's not a whole lot of regression left for the Falcons. Uh, yeah. Then the Falcons are going to be looking for another head coach uh, after the 2022 season. That Super Bowl, that loss when they had such the big lead and, and new England came back, that just really, that really sent that franchise into a tailspin. They haven't recovered from. No, they absolutely not. If you want to talk, yeah. The Atlanta Falcons, if you mentioned sports P PTSD, uh, you know, you have to put the Atlanta Falcons, uh, you know, Super Bowl failure, the 28 to three debacle. That's your picture in the dictionary. I have never seen a franchise crumble uh, after such a traumatic development like this. Uh, yeah, it's it's truly been incredible. And as a, yeah, as such a bitter rival, you got to kind of point and laugh, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, crazy. Um Dan Quinn, Mike Smith, the most playoff wins, five apiece. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, nothing, nothing to shout out about, nothing to rave about. So is Atlanta the worst team in the NFC South? Yeah, I believe they are. Uh, you, know, you know, Carolina Panthers, uh, you know, finished last in the division last year. 
I think the Carolina Panthers are going to be a sneaky good team this year. I love the moves that they did this offseason. They're not a playoff team. Any team with Sam Darnold as your quarterback isn't even going to sniff the postseason. Uh, but they're going to upset some teams. They have a lot of good, good defensive pieces. Uh, one of the better secondaries in the NFL, uh, up-and-coming linebacking course and disruptors up front on defense. Uh, they look like they're finally making the moves to put an offensive line in place. Uh, I love DJ Moore as a wide receiver. Uh, you know, and if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy, yeah, big if, because uh, yeah. you know, he hasn't done so in the last two years. But if McCaffrey could stay healthy, uh, you know, they, they can make just <laughs> enough noise offensively to be a 500 ball club. So, yeah, I think it, you know, New Orleans and you know, Tampa Bay are going to fight it out for the division lead. Uh, you know, Carolina Panthers are going to be a spoiler team and the Atlanta Falcons are going to be your cellar dweller. You mentioned um, Desmond Ritter as a possible uh, starter for Atlanta before the season ends. Would you say the same for Matt Corral at, at Carolina? He's got Sam Darnold ahead of him. P.J. Walker's in the mix as well. But Corral uh, drafted in round three after um, Carolina failed in their attempts to trade for Baker Mayfield um, and failed in their attempts to get Jimmy Garoppolo, apparently. So what do you think about the quarterback race in Carolina? Uh, first of all, I love Matt Corral. He was my favorite quarterback coming into the draft. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he's got a pro future. If the Carol and I'm still not discounting that the Panthers do pull off a trade for a Baker Mayfield or Jimmy okay. Garoppolo. Okay. If they don't, uh, you know, and you go into the year with Sam Darnold as your quarterback. I mean, you know, I'm sticking by my guns of what I'm just saying. You're not sniffing the playoffs with Sam Darnold as your quarterback. Okay. Uh, and just like in Atlanta with Ritter, I think Matt Corral could be your starter. Uh, or at least given a shot at the starting job by the end of the year. Uh, Matt Rule is definitely a coach on the hot seat. Uh, and I, I think he's in a no-win situation because you know, Carolina management has made it pretty clear. Uh, you know, they want to be playoffs or bust. Uh, you know, you mm -hmm. don't make them... You don't make such a strong public move for a player like Deshaun Watson uh, and then you know, Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo after that if you don't think your roster is ready to compete for at least a postseason. Uh, and you know, since they failed to pick up any of those three quarterbacks, uh, you know, I, I think Rule is dead man walking. I don't. I, I, he might not even make it out of the season, even if Carolina finishes above 500. That's how impatient that that uh, that front office is. Uh, but yeah, you know, McDonald's your unquestioned starter as it stands right now. Uh, but if he plays as poorly as I think he probably will, uh, that's when Rule is going to lose his job, and that's when Corral is going to be given a shot to at least finish the season. Rue went from the LSU wonderkind as his offensive coordinator to a retread in Ben McAdoo, who was terrible with the Giants. He's been with Jacksonville. He was a consultant for the Cowboys in 2021, and now he's he's back in the league as the offensive coordinator. There's nobody can't find anybody better than that. <laughs> Jeez. Apparently, apparently not. Uh <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I had to laugh when that news hit the wires. I'm like, yeah, Matt, Matt rule. Uh, you know, you're killing yourself, man. Do you want out of Carolina? Yeah. You know, because ah. you make moves like that. That tells me, yeah, guys, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Maybe he wants to get back to college uh, and uh, maybe, you know, he can control more things there, but I think he is, I think he's the next to drop um, yeah. for sure. So, what what is the separation between the Saints and the Falcons and the Saints and the and the Panthers? Um, you think this, the Panthers are going to be sneaky good, don't you? I do. 
and, and it's not because of the quarterback or head coach, like we just said. Uh, you know, I think the Panthers have one of the better secondaries in the NFL. And, you know, front to back, they have a potential to start or two uh, on the defensive line, linebacking court, and in that secondary. They're going to beat teams defensively. Uh, you know, DJ Moore is a scary good wide receiver. And like I said, if Christian McCaffrey is healthy, uh, you know, he's one of the better two-way threat backs in the league. Uh, yeah, and yeah, I see a scenario just like you mentioned. I see Rule getting the axe early, uh, and you know, uh, one of the coordinators stepping up as an interim coach. Uh, yeah, making the move at quarterback probably at midseason, uh, and the Panthers' younger stars start to take hold towards the end of the campaign. Are Sam Darnold and or Matt Corral good enough, or do the Carolina Panthers need Baker Mayfield? I think the Carolina Panthers need Baker Mayfield. Uh, okay. If they have any shot at being a competitive team in 2022, they certainly need Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And again, I like Matt Corral a lot, but he's clearly not ready to play. Uh, you, know, you know, Corral is another quarterback with first round consideration early on that slipped to the third round. Uh, it's because NFL teams in this impatient day and age of we need to win now. Uh, you know, that's why Kenny Pickett was went in the first round because Steelers thought uh, he's at least pro ready. He might not be a star, but he's pro ready. Corral, Ritter, Malik Willis, none of them were viewed as yeah. pro ready today as developmental projects. So you don't go uh, to the play. You're, you're not a contender with Matt Corral in 2022. He's Bob Bro, St. Suzette work. Good news. Luke Keekley joined the radio broadcast team for Carolina. I'm glad he's not playing anymore because he yeah. was really, really good. Bob. Thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great week, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we're back 56 minutes after the hour. Time to wrap this bad boy up. If today, June 28th, is your birthday, happy birthday to you and yours. Uh, Mr. Tesla, Elon Musk, is 52 years old today. I saw this man on an elevator, on an um, escalator in London. Um, one of my favorite actors, uh, Mel Brooks, is 96 years young today. Blazing Saddles, High Anxiety, Frankenstein, just a great actor, great writer, just terrific. Um, From the sports world, Bradley Beal is uh, 29 years young today. I I thought he had a chance to be a Pelican, but we got C.J. McCollum. And from the NFL, John Elway is uh, 62 years old today. James, thank you so much for all you do. Special thanks to our guests, Blake Lavelle, Patrick Ebert, and Bob Rose. Hope you have a great afternoon and an evening. Uh, Keep it locked in right here to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Um, So great. Thank you all for listening. Our partners, thank you for all you do. We couldn't do it without you. We really couldn't. Um, So um, uh, as we leave today, as always, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Uh, Be kind to one another and let's have some fun. Be happy. So long, everybody.